does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Yeah, thanks for waking up with us. It is the wake-up call, as always, here on The Fan. We're broadcasting live from the drivehubler.com studios. He's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney. No Mark Dykton today. Corbin Ligenfelter hanging out with us, the voice of God, as we called him yesterday. And KB, a good morning to you. This is not a morning we need to dilly-dally around. We can jump into it. Everyone knows what's at stake. You win. You're in the postseason. And that's going to be the focus, for the most part, over over the next three hours. A good morning to you. Where do you stand right now? You jacked up? You ready to get inside Lucas Oil Stadium on Saturday? I, I, I can't believe we're here. You know, I, I think back to January 5th of last year and all the debates of, you know, where is Jeff Saturday going to maintain the job? And, uh, you know, what about Jim Harbaugh in that pursuit? Uh, where are the Col- are, are they seeking out Peyton Manning for advice here? You know, just all the crazy end-of-year head coach rumors. And now here you are with the biggest game inside your building in nine years coming up tomorrow night. We've talked so much about the lack of home primetime games for this franchise. And you get it. You get Joe Buck. You get Troy Aikman. Um, cannot wait. Cannot wait to see what the atmosphere is like. What an awesome time just to be downtown Indianapolis tomorrow as well. With, what a weekend. With the Pacers and Celtics oh, tonight, man. of course. You've got, not only do you have you know Pacers and Hawks, you got two top 10 teams in Hinkle and Mackey. I mean, this is just a really, really fun Friday into Saturday. And when we talk on Monday morning, Andy, we could be talking about the Colts hosting a home playoff game. Uh, so much of it is just shocking to me, and I cannot wait for it all to unfold tomorrow night. Boy, we have a lot to do to uh, to get to today. Greg Rakestraw going to join us. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts. He'll join us his normal uh, 9 o'clock hour. And then John McClain, Hall of Fame writer down there uh, in Houston. Uh, he retired a couple years ago, but I think he's busier now than when he actually was a full-time employee of the Chronicle or anything else. Uh, so John McClain, Mr. Houston Sports, if you will, uh, will join us coming up in the 9.30 segment as well. We'll give our picks at about 8.30. And then, you know, now we won't, we won't be on this for too long here, but it needs to be said. And thank you to the Bowen family. Thank you to Kevin Bowen putting this out early. I now know going into the 830 segment, which way Max Bowen, <laughs> Kevin, your son has picked, yeah. who has picked, uh-huh. what, eight in a row, correct? correct. And has yes, won uh-huh. 10 or 11 this year, which is unbelievable. Uh, he has picked the Indianapolis Colts, right? It needs to be said. The video is up on Twitter. The video is up. Posted it last night. Um, there was a little bit of hesitation at okay. times from the young lad. There I can understand. Some, it's a big game. There was some debating. Sure. I, I don't know if he heard his father talk about the tie scenarios. Well, or if, even If CJ Stroud. Ask Shane Steichen about the tie scenarios yeah. from yesterday. We could maybe play that audio, but uh, Max Bowen has spoken. <laughs> Um, you know that this thing has gained a little traction when I now have Houston Texans fans in oh the mentions boy. saying, uh, wait till he sees this. And, you know, plenty of gifts of C.J. Stroud. <laughs> um, and, and I do think, Andy, in all seriousness, seriousness, I, I think that question is one that I've pondered a lot over the last few days. Okay. Like, I think C.J. Stroud is a stud. Uh, I think the Texans have a significant quarterback advantage in this, in this matchup. 
I think that's probably the only advantage they have, though. Well, especially yesterday, you know, they ruled out already Jonathan Grenard. 12 and a half sacks, like five or six sacks, I think it was, the last three weeks. He's a good player. Right. And Noah Brown's out, who you kind of said, ah, he's a little bit like a Josh Downs, yeah, he's a, a Josh third Downs. wide receiver. Now, number, but still. Their number two wide out, Robert Woods, has not practiced all week. So right. we'll see about his availability. So, yeah, yes, their equivalent of Josh Downs, I would say Samson Ebicom on steroids and Jonathan Grenard is out as well. And then we'll see about, you know, their equivalent, I guess, of Alec Pierce and Robert Woods. But is Stroud enough? Like, that is the question that I keep on coming back to here, even on this Friday morning of, um, I think he's an outstanding talent. And on paper, the Colts should have a huge advantage in the trenches. You should have your starting O-line together. The same one from week one. You think I mean, Ryan think, Kelly plays? I, I, I think so. You think there's a chance? He would be the one to watch, right? So Everybody else that. you feel good about. You right. know, teams in week 18 usually don't have their starting O-line from week one. The Colts could have that come tomorrow night. Houston certainly does not. They've got like two of them now they're beat left up. from week one. You look at their D-line, you just listed some of their injuries there. Even a guy like Will Anderson Jr., you know, we talked about it yesterday. He just played 12 snaps last week. You know, can he get to a little bit of a higher snap count total? You should have an advantage there with your O line. And then, you know, again, Houston a little bit banged up with their offensive line. Is that enough? Because I go back to, honestly, I go back to February. And when CJ Stroud took the podium inside the Indiana Convention Center, a mere, what, 100 yards away from Lucas Oil Stadium, and that kid spoke with confidence, he spoke with swagger. He was the first of the quarterbacks to talk, and I was pretty blown away. And the phrase that he said that certainly drew headlines was, I'm a ball placement specialist. He's right. <laughs> it's a great line. It's a great line. <laughs> it's a fantastic line. And it's, so, like, it's like a PR person came up with that line for him. Like his fed him the line. had to be pumping yeah. his fist a, when they a, came up with that. What an absolute fantastic line. In the yeah. JW Marriott suite the night before his media <laughs> session. And you know what? You can't let him be the ball placement specialist tomorrow night because if you go back to week two, if they you can't run the football, KB six times. Yep, you hit him nine. Yep, and you hurried him sixteen. Yep, those are eye popping numbers. The dude still threw for three eighty four and two touchdowns. So imagine if you cut those numbers in half. Which Andy, right now, if I told Gus Bradley you're going to sack Stroud three times, you're going to hit him, you know what, four and a half times, I guess, and you're going to hurry him eight. Those are still pretty good numbers. Right. You would sign up for that, and the dude still threw for 384 and two scores against you, again, back in week two. So that's where the question I have is, is C.J. Stroud enough to get the Texans over the hump? Because I think the Colts have a, a stark advantage in so many other areas. You know, uh, coming up at 8 o'clock, we'll have Rake Straw, and whether it be the post game or with us or with other guys around here on the fan, he has said something similar. You can't turn the football over. And the reason I bring that up is, you know, with C.J. Stroud, uh, you don't want, what you don't want to do is what you did with Cleveland, right? Is give so many free points up. If you go back to that Browns game, we automatically go and we think of what, KB? We think of the officiating at the end of the game. We think of the revolving quarterbacks, perhaps, with the Browns. But what I think of is end of the half, maybe not some great coaching from Steichen. And I also think just overall the points that were given up. Now, how does that relate to Saturday night? This team in the Houston Texans cannot run the football. 
So for me, it's not even, it's a little bit like Devontae Adams last week. Devontae Adams had great stats, but overall, the Raiders weren't gashing you, right? Like, you did enough. You didn't leave that game. You didn't leave that game thinking, okay, we locked everybody down, but you did enough. And to me, C.J. Stroud's going to get his to a certain extent. Now, if we end this game and he's, you know, 15 of 37 for a buck 89 in a pick, you're going to sit back and say, boy, that D-line, the young corners, whatever it may be, they got after it. Build the Gus on, Bradley yeah, statue. They, yeah, they got, well, I backed Gus Bradley a little bit when you were gone. I don't know if that's a conversation. You know, they lose. I think you're kind uh, of on an island Yeah, that one, well, right? if I, James Boyd did tell me to watch out. I just backed him a little bit. Listen, uh, if they lose, we understand. Ballard, Gus Bradley, we can dive into this later. You know, there's going to be guys that take slings and arrows. But for me in this game, like, how do you see it? Do you see it as this team can't run? Or do you see it as they need to stop the run? Does that make sense? There is a difference there because the Texans don't run the football at a high clip. Now, right. Devin, I, Devin Singletary is much more active than he was. Week one, it was, it was, Damian, it was Damian Pierce, uh, and he was the lead back. But for me, you know, CJ, don't, don't, don't let him do the next level thing. He's going to get his. Don't let him uh, ruin the game the way you let someone like Miles Garrett ruin the game back earlier in the season against Cleveland. Yeah, I'd probably say you still have to do your part. You know, I, I I used to think the Colts could fall out of bed and stop the run, and I don't think that's really been the case this season, even with Grover Stewart. So, yeah, I think it's a good point that you bring up because you do want to make sure they can't be balanced. They can't play the play-action they game. 52 yards rushing back in week two. Right. Like, do that and again. They have obviously flipped a lot of their personnel, offensive line, running back-wise has flipped. You know, now it is de- – Devin Singletary. It's kind of funny how Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, two guys that flamed out in Buffalo, isn't that unbelievable? Both have had this <laughs> resurrection in in AFC South spots. Um, I I think that is really key. And I will say this, and this might be kind of a shock to some fans, given the health, I think the Colts have the better whiteout group in this game than Houston. Oh, I agree with that. I mean, Nico Collins and Michael Pittman oh, Jr. Sure. Just call that a wash, okay? Sure. So now you go second on the depth chart. Uh, if Robert Woods is out, again, their equivalent to Alec Pierce is gone. They aren't the same exact player. Woods is much more of a possession guy, you know, veteran wide out, not kind of the deep ball guy like Pierce is. But just to play the game out, uh, you would label them number two wideouts. Then obviously you go to three. Noah Brown is out for Houston. Josh Downs, of course, is healthy for the Colts. They don't have Tank Dell, which Tank Dell has been a very dynamic weapon for Houston this season. We saw him break his leg about a month ago. If you look at their next wideout, Andy, again, we know Noah Brown's not playing. Robert Woods is not practiced all week for them. Nico Collins, again, is kind of their Michael Pittman. If you go next on the list for wideout catches, mm-hmm. you go to John Mechie right. with 15 catches all season long. We've played how many games? 17? Yeah, kid from Alabama, 16, what, second-year player. I thought he'd be better, quite honestly. Right, well, yeah, obviously, yeah. you know, battled yeah, a, sure. you know, horrific off the field. Um, with his bout with leukemia. But, I mean, think about that. It's such a steep drop to them. So it gets back to they've had to put a lot on the C.J. Stroud plate. Um, I think he can eat a whole lot. You've got to make sure that too much is on his plate. So um, I, I do agree on the no turnover part. You know, Do you get into more of a methodical offense? Just kind of stay out of your own way. I think if you do that, you should be able to move it against this defense I brought up yesterday. Does Shane Steichen have a bit of D'Amico Ryan's number? I think that is a fair argument you could make. The sample size is not huge, 
Uh, but still, I think in the past two games, you could point to that. And I guess one other note, Stroud-related. Again, I didn't think Aiden O'Connell was capable of testing the loss of Julian Blackman that much. Stroud, I think, is. So how does that law? Lo- do we see that show up a little bit more than it did last week? I don't think you saw anything over the top last week. I mean, there was maybe a coverage bust or two, but again, the Raiders didn't hit on it. If you make that mistake against Stroud, does all of a sudden that lead to a capable quarterback, a competent quarterback, a very good quarterback hitting on that? One more thing on Stroud. I, I was watching something the last few days, you know, getting ready for the game and everything. And I should have dubbed this over, recorded this over, because Dan Orlovsky, he was talking about the Texans. And again, I, I want to tell Colts fans, I think 90% of the coverage, I think the picks, I think nationally, it's going to be a lot of Texans. I, I think that's because of C.J. Stroud, uh, whatever it may be. One thing that is going to be different than perhaps some of the Cincinnati game and what we saw with Aiden O'Connell is, you know, with Aiden O'Connell, they want to get the ball out of his hands. Whether that's boom, three-step drop, we're going to get the ball out quick, or it was we're going to hand the ball off. They didn't want to do a lot of him dropping back and surveying the defense. That that doesn't lead probably to good things uh, for most quarterbacks. We've seen that even here. Cleveland game, I think of it with Gardner Minshew, is C.J. Stroud will hold on to the football. And Orlovsky was making the point that nobody holds on to the football more especially when they get to the red zone, than C.J. Stroud. And I wonder if that's how we got such lofty numbers from the defensive front in, in, in the first matchup. In that week two matchup. Yeah, yeah. in that week two and matchup. Again, Houston line was really banged uh, uh, up in that game. Yeah, so I mean the numbers, we're not expecting them to be the same this time around. But this might be more, because you know I was surprised they beat the Raiders with two sacks. Last week, that was a surprise. I'm thinking Aiden O'Connell, you know, they'll get to him. They'll get four or five. Some of these guys, you know, seven players, uh, you know, the, 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 you know, whatever, I guess the four or five guys they really have rushing the passer, they'll get home on yeah, some I of those. And that didn't two happen. Sacks and six no, hits no. is enough. And I don't think that, night. no, and I don't think that's what's going to happen. My analysis is they will get home, but I think that is, you know, if CJ is going to hold the ball more. That, while that could be bad for the secondary, that is good for the front of the Indianapolis Colts who have got home, and obviously we see what they've done being able to get to the quarterback. Yeah, again, you cannot let him be the words that he used back in February. You can't let him be the ball placement specialist. You know, I Honestly, I go back to the other night with Washington and Texas in the college football semifinal. Texas didn't sack Michael Penix once. If you let a guy like Penix or a guy like Stroud sit back there, pat it a few times, yeah, you're and in start to survey, they will show you why they're surgical. They will show you. And the thing about Stroud, too, is that dude's unafraid, which you know could mean you have some chances to make some plays. But he's going to fit some balls into windows that the Colts haven't seen a quarterback try and do here in recent weeks at all. So plenty, plenty of Colts and Texans chatter to get to today. I feel like as the sun rises, which I don't even know if it has here on this Friday morning. <laughs> Have you yet. read that book, Corbin? Have you read that book, As the Sun Rises? Boy, you went back to you went back to high school times. You went back to tenth grade with that one. Spark notes still a thing. <laughs> Can we get that for that? Uh, I, there is another wild Tyrese Halliburton stat that I want to share here later. Do you see he is leading Eastern Conference guards and All Star voting? I saw that. I, I saw pretty significant that. margin. So. Uh, quite the start to the season for Tyrese Halliburton. Good for him. Gosh, we're only, what, a month 
in a couple weeks away from the oh, All Star yeah. game. I told you I had somebody in we were close. We were closing on our uh, at our home down in uh, Southern Indiana. Finally, last Friday, and uh, the dad of the of the guy, I call him the kid, but there there were a young couple that was buying the house. He's like, he's like, yeah, I was I was gonna be in Indianapolis on uh, in February. Hotels are like five hundred dollars. What's going on in February, my brother? That's the wrong weekend. You might want to pick about any other weekend. Well, I'm curious too. I, I would have to look it up. Is it All Star Weekend and Combine back to back, or is there a week gap between those two? Oh, that's a great point. Yeah. What are we doing for the Combine? What did you guys do last year? Did you guys go down there? Yeah, we did broadcast? shows. I want to say Thursday, Friday. That was when okay. Jake forgot his credential. Oh boy, you yeah. you can't. Query, you can't forget your credential yeah, was, around the NFL, brother. At the convention center yeah. security. Do you know who I am? Do you know that? That ain't going to work, no. man. That'll work some places. CJ Stroud was walking yeah. in, and the Anthony Richardson was walking in <laughs> to their podium. Jake, I'll never you, forget seeing Richardson thinking, is that dude a power forward? Is, is he a linebacker? Is that, is that Carl Malone over there? Right. Yeah, Jake, this is not an IUPUI game. This is not Indiana State where you can say, do you know who I am? Uh, the speaking NFL. Speaking of college basketball, two big ones tonight in Hinkle in Mackey. We'll see some Hinkle magic can be dialed up as Butler hosts the defending national champs in UConn. And Purdue's got the Fighting Illini of Illinois coming up at 8.30. Good Friday morning to you. What a big one it is. I'm Kevin Bowen. He's Andy Sweeney. Corbin on the ones and twos today. Thank you for spending that with us. It is the wake-up call with KB and Andy. 93.5-1075, the fan. Man, what a busy weekend. All the NFL. Boy, the down, downtown area is going to be wild. Tomorrow, the Pacers, Colts in action. Of course, down the road, Indiana in action. Purdue tonight. Butler tonight. Hinkle uh, is going to be wild. We have some 10 opponents. We have some, and Hinkle. Oh, man, we got some buddies coming in town. Otherwise, I was going to beg for two tickets to go to Hinkle tonight. Uh, UConn coming into town. That's going to be a lot of fun as well. Reminder, Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, will join us here on the Wake Up Call coming up at 9 o'clock. John McClain, Hall of Fame writer there in Houston. Uh, Mr. Houston himself will join us coming up at about 9.30. In a half an hour, we'll give our picks. Uh, and young Corbin will give his pick. We should lead with Corbin, by the way. He will give his pick today on uh, what happened Saturday night there in Lucas Oil. Well, you know it's a Friday at 8 o'clock. Greg Rakestraw joins us each Friday. does so on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Greg, good morning. Thanks for joining us. How are you today? I'm good, my friends. How are you? Uh, we are fantastic. Uh, cannot wait to get to tomorrow night. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, cannot wait to hear your post game as well. You know, I, I had a question about that, and I'll ask you how the Colts win the game. Don't worry. And you'll tell us, don't turn the ball over. We'll get to that question here, Rake, uh, in just a second. But listening to your post game, I even talked about this on Tuesday or Wednesday uh, when James Boyd was in, and that is, boy, you took like four negative calls in a row after a win over the Raiders. Uh, like, like in a row. Like it was like four negative calls, it was refs, it was Ballard, it was why are we this, why are we that. Yeah, I think a win in making the postseason with a new coach and with this team with a bunch of young players and a new quarterback you know, next year and even Minshew, people like this year, I, I think it would really kind of turn the page for the Colts. I understand some fans would still harp on Chris Ballard no matter what, but uh, I think it would help turn the page. It would help bring a lot of feel-good to a franchise that has kind of been through it the last few years. Do you agree with that, that if they win, we can kind of turn the page and say, hey, Shane Steichen and this new regime have arrived? Regardless of how tomorrow night plays out, because, again, five win improvements don't happen that very often in the National Football League. But, yes, the difference in being a playoff team and not being a playoff team is massive for the outlook 
for this fan base going into the offseason. There's always going to be a segment of every fan base that could win the lottery and bitch about the taxes. <laughs> that's just human nature. And one of those phone calls is drunk Rob. So that's just him. So, so, so don't we did drunk Rob out. doing the pop <laughs> quiz one day, right? Based, uh, I'm amazed he was up and sober at, at that time. Um, and, and so it's, that, that's just, again, part of that's just fan bases, the, the medium, et cetera. But I get it. The difference in this case between 10 and 7 and 9 and 8 because of playoff and non-playoff is absolutely massive. So, yes, it is, it is, it's big for the franchise, but it's, it's just as big for the fan base in terms of the difference of winning and losing tomorrow night. Rake, where are you most confident? Where are you least confident in for tomorrow night? <sighs> most confident in this team to have a good game plan because they have had that. Uh, I am probably least confident in the ability to show, slow down C.J. Stroud. Because, again, I, I realize the Colts, I wouldn't say completely did that because he had a big second half in that comeback back in week number two. But, again, it, it's it's a it's a different team. You can see both teams are, are different teams. Um, but I would say that the improvement from the beginning of the season to now has been greater for the Houston Texans. You know, when, when they have struggled – uh, it's obvious when, when he's not been out there, when he missed a couple of weeks and things did not go well for them. So I really think he is something special. I really do. Uh, and so, you know, will, will the Colts find a way to move the football against the Texans? Yes, I think they will. Um, are the Texans going to be tough to stop? Is C.J. one of the better quarterbacks the Colts have played in a while? Yes, he is. And so that's part of what concerns me coming into tomorrow night's game. All right, we've done it every week. we got to do it. How do they win? How do you have a nice, cheerful post game? Except for drunk Rob, Greg, uh, Rake Straw. How do you do it? What needs to happen? Um, you already know what answer A is. You've already stated it. Um, <laughs> Don't turn the but, ball over. Uh, you know, I, I think the formula for, for what we have seen, what we saw back in week two is, is key. Colts got out to a big lead and just kind of played keep away from there. Um, you know, there was a stretch where the Colts were not playing good football in this building for whatever reason uh, and seemingly had better results on the road. Now that has flipped. Uh, and so getting off to a good start not only just makes life easier on the Colts, but I think gets a fan base that wants to be fired up and wants to get into this game and wants to do their part to kind of help them be a playoff team. I think that doubles down on that. So. Um, it's not curtains for this group if they get down early, but I think life is a whole lot easier if they can get a touchdown uh, lead or more and kind of play from ahead the entire game because obviously that then plays in what this team wants to do best, and that's run the football in the second half. He is Greg Rakeshaw. It'll be the wee hours of the morning coming up on Sunday as he recaps the final game of the Colts' regular season on the post-game show. Tonight, Rake, it's a great night for college hoops, probably on top of a high school slate as well. But you've got a top-ranked UConn, top-10-ranked UConn in Hinkle, and then a top-10 team in Illinois in Mackey. I want to go to Purdue for a second. I saw earlier this week um, ESPN's draft guy, Jonathan Gavoni, he had Zach Eady as a borderline lottery pick and said that a lot of scouts have been really impressed by you know, Edie just taking his game to another level, you know, obviously showing he can play a little bit more in space on the defensive end, continues to foul at a really low rate, continues to dunk the ball at a really high rate, you know, he's passed the ball pretty well. Those are some of the things he pointed to as Edie making that climb. 
Would it surprise you if all of a sudden we get to whatever the summer and Zach Eady is a lottery pick after I think a lot of people debated, you know, who would be drafted higher had he come out, him or Trace Jackson Davis? Right. Um, a, a little bit of a surprise, but I also think it, it indicates what a lot of people have said, that this is not a great draft class. And that is that is by no way meant to bag on Zach Eady. Um, but, but I read the same article you did. And it struck me the number of international prospects that was in that right, group. Right, there's a bunch of them that yep. are going the, the, the G League Ignite route as well. Um, and, and so part of it's a combination of, hey, um, were people wrong about Zachy a year ago? If he had gone, should have been a higher draft pick. Yes. Is there always going to be a place in basketball for a big man as skilled and talented as Zachy? Yes. Even if you're going to more of a of a pace and space and, and, and jump shooting type of game, there's always a need for a dude that's 7'4 that can play. You'll figure a way out to use him. Uh, and so it, it, it is a surprise, not a surprise, but I think there's a lot of mitigating factors at play there too. Greg Rakestraw with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. All right, since we're in college basketball, then I'll go to Indiana. Uh, I mean, it's not, are you worried about Indiana? You should be worried about Indiana. Right now, not anywhere close to being an NCAA tournament team. So it's year three, Woodson. You know, this is his team fully now. And if they don't make the tournament, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to lead you down too many avenues. What, what, what should the conversation be there if they don't make the tournament? Right now, they just they don't look like a team that has any guards that can go win a bunch of games in the Big Ten. They just don't. Part part of me wants to say, and this is not criticizing you, Andy. I'll, I'll explain this on the back end. Part of me wants to say, why are we talking about the Indiana Hoosiers? And let, <laughs> now let me let me explain that. Fair enough. The, the Colts are a, are a potential playoff team with a backup quarterback. The Pacers have a point guard that was the leading vote getter in the Eastern Conference at his position when the votes were were tallied yesterday. They clearly are in the head of one of the best teams in the league in the Bucks, having taken almost like a playoff series, four out of five for them. Purdue is once again the number one team in the country currently. I mean, to me, we've got these three things that are great. Why are we talking about the thing that is average? And that's Indiana basketball right now. Now, I know the answer is, you know, five banners like the answer to so many things are. Uh, the answer is grown men wearing candy-striped pants. The answer is, you know, 16,000, 17,000 people that show up to see what has been a largely mediocre product for the better part of the last decade, if not longer. Like, people thought that, you know, the back end of the Bob Knight era was mediocre. Or the mid-2000s under Mike Davis was mediocre. Or a couple of Big Ten championships under Tom Crean was mediocre. In the rearview mirror, those days look pretty good compared to what we have largely seen under now Archie Miller and Mike Woodson. So I, I, I don't, because of Woodson's status, because of, and there's a lot of buyout money being paid out down there right now, uh, I don't think there's any, I don't think Mike no. Woodson's job is under scrutiny. But at least for me, and, and again, I'm not the person that's driving down 37 and paying for targets. I guess it's 69 now, not just 37. It is at least an interstate to get there. Uh, I'm not the person driving down for paying tickets. But we are getting to that point of apathy, at least for me, 
Because I'm like, I agree. Listen, if, as, as, as a casual fan, I've got a potential playoff team that probably shouldn't be in the National Football League. I've got a Pacers team that finally has seemed to, to, to hit it, to hit the formula. You go, there might be something special here. And Purdue keeps beating every major program they play in, non, in non-conference games and continues to win Big Ten regular season championships. We'll obviously be questioning what they've done come March. But as a casual fan, I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of the point of almost go, hey, guys, you let me know when you figure it out. I'll come back and check in at that point in time. Well, blowtorch there from Greg Rakestraw on the <laughs> IU basketball program. I, I think that's pretty well said, Rake. Uh, moving on, I hope you don't feel this way about my next question here. I was going to go back to the Hall of Fame Classic from last weekend and just your overall thoughts on what you saw out there at the Newcastle Fieldhouse. Uh, Attic is really good. Uh, there's that. Flory Badunga can really play. Uh, that much we have known. Unfortunately, um, when Brownstown Central gets to a larger stage this year so far, if you're without Jack Benner, who's had a couple of different injuries, hopefully he'll be able to play the kind of the last time they come this way, at least the potential state finals, uh, in terms of um, when they play Carmel next Saturday, who's obviously down uh, by Carmel standards as well. Crowds were good, uh, but, but Addicts, while Addicts can make a deep tournament run, they also could go home the first night of the tournament because they play in the ridiculously deep sectional that I get the pleasure of calling more years than not, because Addicts, while they won the Hall of Fame Classic, they have the third best record in the sectional they're in, because Lawrence North is 9-0, and Cathedral, somewhat I'm surprised, somewhat not, is also 9-0, and and then those two teams will likely see each other, you would think, in the city championship, which is two weeks from Monday. So, um, good field, and again, this is a this is a year where last year you had Ben Davis, and you were watching to see if greatness could happen, if they could, you know, pitch the perfect game, and they did. This year is a year where you can make a case for ten to fifteen different teams, depending on how the draw breaks out, who's playing well, et cetera, um, and and you've got you know three really good teams in, in sectional eight, which is the Hamilton County sectional. You've got three teams that are really good in sectional 10, which is kind of the Northeast downtown Indianapolis sectional, the LN sectional. Uh, but there really is good talent spread across the state. And I think the 4A boys state tournament could be something to really remember. I think there's going to be great games over the course of four different weeks. Tomorrow, your final Colts post game show of the year. Or you think there's going to be another one? I am hopeful there's another one. Um, I, I just get the feeling that at home, again, the, the scheme has been so good. And, the and again, this team at home has delivered. Um, more often than not, Gardner Minshew has delivered. Historically against the Texans, Jonathan Taylor has delivered. Um, maybe if the game was in Houston, I would feel a little bit differently. But I, I just think the Colts will find a way, and they'll be that playoff team. This team, this season has reminded me a lot of 2012 and 2018, and those years ended up in playoff games. And I, I'm kind of thinking the same direction. I think the Colts win tomorrow night, and especially whatever doubt I had in my mind <laughs> was ended by Max Bowen on damn right. last night. So yes. we're good. 
Yeah, a little hesitation from the young lad, but uh, that's after okay. a little indecisive. I don't know. Maybe he thinks okay. it's going to be a close game there late. Uh, he did indeed pick the Colts. Great, great stuff, man. Appreciate it as always, and we will see you tomorrow night up in the press box. All right, sounds good, fellas. That's the one and only Greg Rakestraw there on the Payless Slickers Hotline. He brings up Jonathan Taylor. I, I, that might be the first time we've mentioned Taylor so far today. I think when I talk about the on-paper advantage in the trenches, I'm kind of mentioning Taylor indirectly there. But, Andy, if indeed Ryan Kelly's going to play, which, again, he practiced yesterday, starting O-line plus Zach Moss plus Jonathan Taylor. Moss did practice all week. Um, he's a guy that's listed as questionable. That's a, but that's a sneaky the, big time you know, thing. I mean, it's been a couple weeks since that he's combination, been out. He's fresh. Full O line, right. Taylor Moss. We have not seen. Remember, back in week two, Moss played every snap but one. He was the big, you know, yep. bell cow guy in that matchup against Houston. Depleted Houston D line. Can you lean on him? I, I really felt like in that Raiders game, short week for the Raiders, traveled multiple time zones. You leaned on him, and, and I, I, I think you could just feel that late in the game. Short week for Houston. I know it's not as big of a travel, but several injuries on their D-line. Can you lean on them? They've been a very good run defense team this season, but still, is that opportunity there to kind of make them wilt a little bit if you can pound it uh, with obviously a huge focus in the trenches? Two things quickly on uh, things that Greg Rakes Ross said. I did. We didn't talk about the Jonathan Javoni on Edie is funny because I always love this. He was told that he was a second rounder last year, whatever it was, and now he's a lottery pick. Well, that That's always funny. I always laugh at draft evaluation guy uh, in, the, in the middle of the season. The other thing that he said was, and I talked about this on Wednesday, is even though, and I, I think I think you've alluded to this. We haven't really talked about this. If they were to lose, we'll come in here on Monday and we'll say, is this season a success? And that will be a big conversation piece, I would imagine. And that's not what I want to ask. Is it a success or not? What I would say is what Rakestraw said is, you know, if they lose, there is still so much, so many good things to pull away from this season. It's going to be disappointment because you feel like you're better than the Texans. You're going to have this rivalry with them and their coach and C.J. Stroud, and you would lose at home in a win, uh, and you're in lose, and you go home scenario. But my thing is what Rakes Ross said. Even though it would be a somewhat, you know, even there it would be a level of a successful season if you lose. Winning does matter in this league, right? The moral victory for this team disappeared probably with that four-game winning streak after they went three and five. It disappeared. And after Anthony Richardson went down, it wasn't, well, you know, if you lose 31-28 and AR has three touchdowns, it's okay. And so that all went away. Winning does matter in this game. And I believe the majority of fans feel like what I'm saying right now, and that is it's fine, you've had a nice season, but the difference in being a playoff team and not being a playoff team is is absolutely substantial. It's what we grade coaches on, general managers, and everything else. Well, and let's go back. Go back to 2015. You go to the AFC title game in 2014, Andre Johnson, Frank Gore, Trent Cole, all the hype. The Colts were the sexy AFC team that's going to get to the Super Bowl. Andrew Luck, this linear sort of, okay, uh, you, you get to the playoffs as a rookie. You win a playoff game in, this, in year two. You win two in year three. You're going to get to that Super Bowl. Uh, boom. You don't even make the playoffs in 2015. All right, 2016, run it back. You know, that was the right, anomaly. Right. Uh, no, 500 season. 
Um, go back to 2021. I mean, for large chunks of that season, Andy Jonathan Taylor was the best player in huh. football. There's no doubt about period. it. Yeah, and no I know Carson it. Wentz was an abomination late in the year. He wasn't that the entire season. Sure. And you don't even make the playoffs that year. And now, lo and behold, you have this opportunity. So, again, these chances do not grow on trees. I don't need to remind you of what your Giants oh, sure. have done in following up their playoff appearance. How Vikings fans are feeling about their playoff team from a year ago to, to right now. Um, it's not a given. And the division's going to get tougher. Your schedule's going to get tougher. And as much as it's there with Anthony Richardson, and you think it's there. The dude has still never taken a snap in a road game in his NFL career. Like you, you don't right. fully know what you're going to get with that. I do want to mention just one quick thing on the Zach Eady, Jonathan uh, Javoni, yeah, Javoni. Yeah, yeah thank whatever. you. Uh, front, Who I like, by the way, but ESPN you know. draft standpoint, he mentioned <laughs> that Eady had climbed. He had him at 32, all the way up to 14. He listed again guarding the. Perimeter a little bit better. Yep. He's putting up huge numbers against the elite competition. Yep. Uh, Conditioning-wise, NBA scouts are very impressed by him there. Again, blocking shots, fouling less, dunking more. He also noted Khalil Ware had dropped. He had Ware at 15. He had dropped him to 22 and pointed to Auburn, Kansas, UConn, the better competition that Ware has faced from a big man's standpoint. That has led him to drop a little bit there. So, yeah. again, I, I know maybe some people don't necessarily care about this stuff, but the EDMBA debate is always kind of a hot-button one. Um, I'll, I'll be curious to see how that has evolved. And Rake is right. When you look at next year's draft, it is like international galore, a couple G League Ignite guys. I mean, there are not many, like, <laughs> Household names. Call Fran Fraschilla on that list. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm not kidding. Fran Fraschilla is the guy. Whenever it's someone from Italy, it's like, hey, let's bring in. Uh, it's the grainiest film in the world. Yeah, let's and bring in draft expert Fran Fraschilla here on ESPN uh, to figure it out. No, I, I have. I'm just having fun with Javoni. Uh, you know, I followed Kentucky for years, and UK basketball fans always would get sensitive when he would rate one of their guys too low. Uh, that how dare how dare, Jav- you? How dare yeah. Javoni have someone at BBN coming after you? Uh, I'm sure. Well, I'm sure. Did Indiana fans do that with TJD? I don't know where he had TJD last year, and you know he's playing. By the way, uh, Draymond's back with the team, so I, it might be less minutes for TJD. We haven't followed how he's been doing. You see but, the Jokic game winner last? Oh, uh, of course I did. And I went and I downloaded the call. We we have a service here. You can download the call. It was a short call. Like the radio call wasn't even that great. It was like really? it was like nine seconds. Yeah, I was gonna play, but it's not worth it that good for him what he had is mid-quarter right it's about mid-quarter yeah just a couple inside. steps inside yeah oh, he's I mean, a freak he's show man that dude's a freak show freak show all right uh mapping out the rest of the show we're gonna give our picks coming up here in about 10 minutes voice of the colts matt taylor at nine uh one of our favorites anytime the colts play the texans john mcclain coming up at 9 30 curious to talk about john or talk with john about again what does this injury report look like how significant are some of these losses? We should note as well, if you look at C.J. Stroud's numbers here as of late, again, he missed a couple games due to the concussion, but he lost Tank Dell, one of the best rookie wideouts in the NFL this season. Um, he lost him about a month, a little bit over a month ago. And if you look at Stroud's numbers with Dell without, there's a difference there. Oh, sure. And now you add in, again, no Noah Brown, probably their number three wideout. Robert Woods, their veteran number two wideout who has not practiced all week, um, if you get past Nico Collins, who is their number one guy, he's their Michael Pittman, if you get to number two on that list, if Woods doesn't play, you're talking John Mechie. And the Mechie story is a great feel-good story of him you know, beating leukemia and even playing in the NFL. It's, it's unbelievable. Just incredible. Andy, he's got 15 catches yeah. on the year. So it's going to be, if Woods can't go, it's going to be a really, really unproven 
Texans wideout group behind Nico Collins coming up tomorrow night inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. So that is something certainly to keep an eye on. All right, let's morning check down. All right, yeah, it is Colts and Texans 815. Again, you can hear it 97.1 Hank FM as well here locally. Jonathan Taylor speaking with the media earlier this week. The playoff mentality. Here's the guy who needs to have 100 yards on Saturday. I think it's a healthy balance, you know, just making sure everyone understands the magnitude, um, but also knowing that, hey, it's kind of been like that the past few weeks. You know, as long as we continue to, you know, win games, we'll continue to control our own destiny. So nothing different here except, you know, this is this is now it's this is the one, you know, it, it got to the point where, you know, it's win and get in. So same mentality, but like this time, it's you know, everything you got. And it's been like that the past few weeks. I shouldn't say he needs to get 100 yards, but boy, it'd be a good time to break that. What is it? 19 straight games without 100 yards? Is I think that, it's once in that 19 uh, once game in 19 span. straight. Yeah. Last year uh, against the Raiders. So uh, he was very, very close against the Raiders. A good game there. Interesting how the running game. We'll look quickly. Let me give you another one. Zaire Franklin taking advantage of this opportunity on Saturday. It's a blessing. And honestly, just really just something to take. Don't take it for granted. You know what I mean? Remember last year, you know, just being in a situation, it felt like we was playing for the number one overall pick against Houston. You know, this year we plan for the chance to go to the dance. So that's all that really matters. And um, like I said, just take it for, don't take it for granted. You know, embrace the moment. Don't run from it. And just play your best ball. That's all it takes. Probably more an indictment of the quarterback starting in Week 18 around the league, but the over/under of 47 and a half for tomorrow night is the second highest in the NFL coming up this weekend. Bills, Dolphins, the only one higher than Colts and Texans. Again, Houston, a slight favorite that's flipped since earlier in the week. Uh, Houston favored by one in this one. All right, Gamebridge Fieldhouse tonight. Speaking of high scoring, that is exactly what happened back earlier this year when the Pacers and Hawks met. That is a 7 o'clock tip. Uh, Bruce Brown, Andrew Nemhard, both questionable. This is game two of a five-game homestand. It'll be a back-to-back tomorrow night with Boston. The Celtics play tonight against the Utah Jazz. The Pacers will then play Boston again on Monday. I mean, if you look at January, Andy, it is like oh, it's holy a beast. hell. It is a loaded schedule. Western Conference trip coming up here in a couple of weeks as well for the Pacers. So 19-14 and 14 on the year. The Hawks on the flip side of that. Uh, so expect a high-scoring affair tonight inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Yeah, looking at college basketball, we've been talking about it. Tons of college basketball. Indiana back in action. That's Saturday night. They host Ohio State. IBC will have your coverage at 7 o'clock. Butler tonight hosting UConn. That one's 6.30. Little Hinkle Magic? Hinkle. What do you little, think on that Little one? Hinkle Magic? Six and a half point <sighs> spread. I'll go with that, boy. Butler needs that one, man. They need it. I don't yeah, need that, to say again, it. After that, that Providence game, that you, Providence go, game. you lose by double figures. Thad gets thrown out of the St. John's game. The Big East, very good conference, top to bottom. Uh, they need a win. That would be It's a win that's just going to look great all year. You and beat they UConn, it's a good win all season. They're undefeated at home this year, haven't been at home since December no, 19th. It, it, it's, so. it's one you got to get. Purdue back in action tonight, hosting top 10 Illinois. That one, 8.30 on FS1. Again, for Purdue, between now and March 5th, they play just one ranked game besides tonight. So you look at the Big Ten, the standings, just the conference as a whole. This is one of the really important ones if you think about any challengers, and, and I'm not holding my breath that one will be there. Again, Illinois without Terrence Shannon, their top score. And shout out to Terry Moore and the IU women. Last night in the first quarter against their game against Michigan, Andy, they took 13 shots from the field. <laughs> they made all 13 shots from the field. 10 assists on those 13 makes. Six of them 
from behind the arc as they route Michigan in their home game in Assembly Hall. I seem to recall a few years ago, maybe Scotty can double-check this, I want to say the Pacers had a quarter in which they had not missed a shot until like the final couple minutes, and then I believe Josh McRoberts <laughs> threw one up and it did, did not go in. I think they had a near-perfect quarter. Scotty, if you're listening, please double-check that. What if that was on the pop quiz? Like three years ago today, the Pacers, he's like, damn it. That Damn sounds it, like Kevin. a very Scotty you, move. You, you, ru- you ruined the pop quiz. People are freaking out about this line rising, uh, Texans being favored. For the most part, we've you've been looking into this. You think it's just because a ton of money has come in on the Texans. Yeah, again, There's not this like mysterious injury behind the scenes I, or anything. I don't think so. Plus, that would be something that, that we would be talking about. Let, let, me, let me refresh the numbers because this was yesterday. Now, the numbers have come down a little bit. So, 92% of the money has has come down on the Texans. 92% of the money. Yesterday, 80% of the bets, or 90% of the bets were on Houston today. Uh, that's moved a little bit, 87%. I mean, what's happened here is, you know, with C.J. Stroud, uh, I would imagine, you know, there's a bettors who have a lot of money like the Texans. And Colts fans better get used to it. We've seen this a couple times. I believe when you're watching all the ESPN shows, you're going to get probably 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10 are going to take the Texans. So that moved the line initially. Some sports books, it's moved back to Texans minus 1 instead of minus 1.5. That is the difference from this time yesterday to today is you can't get it at some sports books now at one instead of having to buy the half point. Many places like DraftKings still have them uh, at one and a half. But again, 87% of the bets on the Texans, 92% of the money on the Texans going into tomorrow night. It's time to give our picks. We'll do that on the other side. Voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor, joining us at 9 o'clock. It's a wake-up call. KB and Andy, 93.5107.5, The Fan. Oh, goodness, 9 o'clock hour. Been a fun show, been a fast show. All three of uh, us here, our goobers on this show, we all picked the Colts to win. I'm see if anyone crosses enemy lines today when uh, we put that out on Twitter here in the next few hours. Uh, again, if you miss any of the show, check it out, 1075thefan.com. You want to listen live, you can do so. Download the app as well, absolutely free uh, in the iPhone app store, the Google Play store. Take care of yourself. Download us, take us wherever you may be. Matt Taylor joins us here. Do we have him? We have him, don't we? Matt Taylor joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline, his normal 9 o'clock slot here on this football Friday. Mate, uh, a very good morning to you, a happy new year, and uh, I'm sure you're just itching to get on the radio tomorrow night for this game. Oh, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, I haven't called a playoff game since 2020. That's exactly what this is. So playoffs come early, and uh, yeah, Saturday night's the Thunderdome, man. Two teams enter, one team leaves. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. I can't wait. Uh, go, well, go ahead, KB. No, you go ahead. I, you go I, ahead. I just love hearing the emotion right there. I mean, Mate is easily the biggest game inside of Lucas Oil Stadium since, what, Colts-Bengals playoff game nine years ago? That's a really good question. Um, it's it's got to be the, the biggest game since two weeks ago against the Steelers. We did it on Saturday night. Just seems like every game that Colts have played in, you know, recently have been, you know, mega games in terms of playoff implications. But, um, yeah, I would say biggest game at Lucas Oil Stadium since probably the the last playoff game, which was – was it the Bengals game? I can't remember. Yeah, wild card game, right? Then you went to Denver and, and won in Denver and then – Deflategate AFC title game in New England. I think that was the run. 
my gosh, what that was what the 2014 season? Yeah, January 2015. Yeah, yeah. My my word. Yeah, we were talking. We were debating. It's the biggest game since not only home game, but just biggest game since when? And you know, the 2021 you know Week 18 game at Jacksonville where you came up short. You know, you fell in that game. What was it? 26 to 11 in a win in your end game, didn't get it done. Uh, the 2020 Buffalo game when clearly the Colts were the better team that day, but mistakes, you know, red zone blunders and turnovers killed them in that game. Um, I'm just really excited for this game because I think the Colts are going to play. They're going to play well. I think they're just laser dialed in. You know, that's the vibe I get from Shane Steichen. I, I think that you're going to see a really good, clean football game tomorrow from the Colts. What concerns you, non-C.J. Stroud division? about the Texans? It's got to be their pass rush. And I know they're not going to have Jonathan Grenard, but they're kind of diverse. Maybe not as diverse as the Colts, but they can hit you from a lot of different angles, and they got a lot of guys that can come after you. Will Anderson's still healthy, Sheldon Rankins. And don't forget about Jerry Hughes now. I mean, he is still getting it done. He's got three sacks on the season, not playing as much. How right? old is that dude? <laughs> Let me look it up. Yeah, I'll look it up. He's got to be 35 Hughes. or north of it. I mean, he's drafted in, what, 2010 for this team? Uh, you know, I think he was Bill Pullian's last draft class, um, and he's still playing at a high level, right? He's a native Houstonian, and so this game means a lot to him. Obviously, there's going to be some uh, some juices, you know, coming, coming back into that standing at Lucas Oil Stadium. But, um, yeah, th- their pass rush is just as formidable as the Colts. In fact, if they get – they get one more sack tomorrow night. That'll be a franchise record for them. They'll have 46 sacks as a team on the season, which is will be a franchise high. Um, so I think, honestly, I think whichever team's pass rush is better in this game is going to go a long way in deciding the winner. He's 35 years old. Gosh. That's a hell of a run. 35 years old uh, for Jerry Hughes uh, back in what drafted in 2010 out of TCU as as a first-round draft pick. Matt Taylor with us here on the Pay Less Liquors Hotline. Obviously, he'll be on the call there uh, for Colts and Texans. You know, one thing I said, I said earlier in the week, I I asked uh, Greg Rakestraw earlier today about it, just more of a conversation piece, Matt, that, you know, you guys are rattling off games, and the, the unfortunate thing is the Colts have lost a lot of these games, and we know there's been angst. There was angst going into this season, not only with you know something like Jonathan Taylor's contract, but you know we all thought they'd win four, five, six games, what, whatever it may be. And so this team has presented a lot of feel-good, and making the postseason would bring even more feel-good, and perhaps, Matt, it would turn the page from some of that negative stuff to, hey, there is a new regime here. Uh, with Shane Steichen, things are different. There's a quarterback we're still all going to be excited about next year. And I really think, I mean, yes, you would get some of that even if they lost. But if they won on Saturday, boy, I tell you, it would bring a lot of feel good for an organization that the last few years has has been through a lot of not feel good. And I think that does matter. And I think that is on the line on Saturday. Well, I, I agree with you in the sense that, you know, I can only speak for myself. I didn't know what to expect this year. You know, with a rookie head coach and a rookie quarterback coming in, fourth overall draft pick, and a guy that played only 13 games in college, you know, basically an entire new offensive coaching staff, uh, sans Reggie Wayne, who was a holdover. I really didn't know what to expect. I mean, I knew it was going to be fun. I knew it was going to be interesting. There's probably going to be some bumps in the road, which there have been. 
But I didn't know, you know, if we're going to win 10 games, which might be the case with a win tomorrow, or if the Colts would win, you know, four or five games. Um, I do know that and I read earlier this week that ESPN had the Colts, you know, in terms of percentages of making the playoffs this year, uh, at the beginning of the season was like 17%. That was back in August. You know, that was before Anthony Richardson went down. And that was before you had some of these injuries to the offensive line and the Jonathan Taylor thing going on. So, um, it is. It has been a very, very fun season. It's been enjoyable. I think for uh, you know to to a large degree that this team has outplayed expectations. And again, those expect expectations didn't come from me. They came from the national media. But in saying that, and again, I'm only speaking for myself. I'll, I'll be disappointed if this team doesn't make the playoffs because I kind of recalibrated. Um, you know, my expectations for this season about midway through the year. I agree. Once we got through the division. Yep. We started playing every team. The Colts started playing every team inside the AFC South. You know, it, it came to my realization that there's no reason why the Colts couldn't win the division and really compete for the playoffs, which is exactly the spot that they're in right now. So, um, yeah, it, I think regardless of how tomorrow night goes, it'll be a successful season in that it's going to be a winning year. Um, right out of the gate for Shane Steichen. And by the way, Shane Steichen becomes the fifth straight uh, full-time Colts head coach to have a winning record uh, in his first season on the job. Um, And he can continue that streak of becoming the fifth straight head coach to take the team to the playoffs in his first year as well. Um, So it's going to be a really good year for Shane Steichen. As you said, there's a lot to build on. There's a lot of hope and optimism around Anthony Richardson's return and just, you know, having – the core of this team come back and you've got some young players like Josh Downs and Alec Pierce and so on and so forth. Um, but again, in saying all of that, I'll be disappointed if this team doesn't make the playoffs because I think they belong in the playoffs. They're good enough to make the postseason, And, um, you know, I, I think they're going to be the better team tomorrow. So um, it's going to be a feel good story regardless, but I think this town really wants to see this team in the playoffs because they're good enough to make the postseason based on how it's constructed right now. He's amped and ready to go. He is voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. Again, our coverage tomorrow begins at 4.30. It's an 8.15 p.m. kickoff from Lucas Oil Stadium. Matt Taylor with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Mate, I'm going to throw two at you. One's kind of glass half full. I guess one could be viewed as glass half empty. And I want to see if you make anything of, of either of these figures. Okay, glass half full. Shane Steichen has D'Amico Ryan's number. 31 points for the Eagles against the 49ers last year in the NFC title game. 31 points back in week two, Colts-Texans. Reason for optimism or a sample size too small slash, you know, teams and personnel are different. That's probably the glass half full. Glass half empty. The Texans have won seven straight road AFC South games, which I have had to, like, triple check that uh, every time I've said that this week. Uh, Either of them matter tomorrow night? Both dumb? What do you think? No, I, I think there's more to I think there's more to the head-to-head matchup with Shane and, and D'Amico. You know, offense versus defense. And again, if the Colts can protect coming up tomorrow, I feel really good schematically about the Colts and just the you know, for lack of a better term, the the, the wrinkled nature that Shane Steichen has of, of kind of having you know a couple of cards uh, in his pocket or you know. Uh, for another bad cliche, you know, things up his sleeve. He, he's really, really creative and innovative. And I, I do like that matchup against, you know, the Colts offense against the Texans defense. Again, especially up front, if you've got all five guys healthy 
and you got Zach Moss ready to go, and you have Jonathan Taylor. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong, Kevin. I, I, we were talk, we were uh, kicking this around internally this week. I can't remember a time this season when the Colts had all five starters up front healthy and Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss healthy in the same game. Usually it's been, you know, you're playing without Braden Smith or you're down Bernard Ryman or, you know, uh, Ryan Kelly's been in and out of the concussion. Moss or Taylor's out. Yeah. Yeah. You have Taylor on PUP or in, you know, and Moss is banged up and then Taylor's out there. So to have a full deck of cards, if you will, in this win and you're in game with everything on the line, I think is a real advantage for the Colts. And then also the guy, you know, dialing up the strings and, and Shane Steichen being the head coach and the play caller is advantage Colts as well. Matt Taylor with us here on the Wake Up Call and the fan on this football Friday. He joins us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, it's a generic question that has been asked, but you do so much research going into these games. We two these two teams played, and, and we understand Anthony Richardson, Jonathan Taylor we're not there. We understand. I mean, on the Texans side, you have Noah Brown who's going to be out. Jonathan Gennard, Tank Dell, their offensive line is different. Maybe I'm answering your question, but in doing research for this game, did anything stand out to you week two um, that, that hey, these teams are the same in this area or, boy, these teams are really different from week two in a certain area. Anything stand out to you? Well, obviously, the, the biggest difference is going to be their offensive line. They were really banged up in that first game. I think they played without four of their five starters up front. The only guy that's going to play in this game that played in the first game is Shaq Mason at one of the guard spots. And then, two defensively, you know, they're a little bit different um, in some key areas. Obviously, Jonathan Grenard's not going to play in this game. That's that's a subtraction, not an addition. Um, but, you know, you got Blake Cashman who's going to play in this game at middle linebacker, and he did not play in the first game. In fact, he really didn't come on in terms of a a consistent uh, starter role until week three, the week after the Colts played the Texans. Um, you've got DeAndre Houston Carson um, in as the strong safety now. He didn't play in this first game. And then they got nickel cornerback Desmond King, and he was – He's kind of had an interesting season in that he started the season with the Texans and was probably their most surprising cut uh, at the end of the preseason, went to uh, Pittsburgh, didn't go well there. Now he's back with the Texans, and he's having a really good um, you know, return to, to, to a, the Texan lineup, if you will. I mean, he's got 30 tackles in the last three games. He's pretty versatile, as I said, playing that nickel cornerback position. Um, so there's kind of some subtle differences uh, all over the place within their lineup, but the biggest thing is just the comfort, comfortability, I should say, of, of C.J. Stroud. I mean, the, the second half of that game was kind of the launching pad for him. He got some some big yardage and led them to some you know quick scoring drives in the second half of that game. He threw for 384 yards against the Colts uh, back in Week Two, and I think again that second half was kind of a um, a, a big moment for him that, that proved, you know, in terms of a lot of confidence, he can play at a high level in this league. And it's only carried forward uh, for the remainder of, of, the, of the rest of this season here. I mean, he only needs like 156 yards tomorrow night to become the fifth rookie quarterback ever to throw for 4,000 yards in a season. So I think he's here to stay. And again, I, I think it's the pass rush that is so vital to the Colts. If they can get after him, his splits versus being protected versus pressure are just night and day, like most quarterbacks. But if you give him time back there, his elite-level accuracy, even as a rookie, can be really problematic for the Colts. Do you hate night games? <laughs> well, not not in this case, because it's a Saturday. 
because you do have all day the next day on Sunday to kind of get ready. Whereas, like, if you play a Sunday night game, then you're up until, like, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, um, you know, doing notes and getting ready for the next day when you got a show and you got to get ready for a, a next team. You know, with this case, you're playing on Saturday night. You don't know who the Colts are going to play if they win anyway, so that's not going to matter. And then our shows and our content stuff, that's not going to kick in until Monday. So you do have a little bit of day of rest, if you will, on Sunday. God granted Sunday for Saturday playoff football <laughs> for broadcasters, right? You, well, you, in, the sixth, in the sixth day, the broadcasters rest. <laughs> you said that. I go, yeah, tell me about it. Because, I mean, come on, you'll be so amped. Come on, Kevin, you'll be so amped up. The Colts won if it was a Sunday night game. How much sleep are you getting Sunday night? Well, yeah, in but, the Monday. But I, come I on. like the immediate reaction. Uh, well, there is I that. I hate waiting the day. I, I know, but we do have to wait a Selfishly day. I know. For us, it's but. fun. Have you thought about it, uh, Matt, uh, if there's a tie? We went over those scenarios. Your final call if there's a tie in this game, 23-23. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, I mean, I don't I don't know what the tie scenarios are like you guys do. I got them written down just, you know, to do my due diligence, but I certainly haven't memorized them because I don't even want to go down that road. So, yeah, if the Colts tie, then you're basically, you know, signing off the air with your fingers crossed and yep. you know highlighting the highlighting the scoreboard and and you know going down the schedule for the following day cuz you're going to need you know a hope and a whim and a prayer you know what what is it you got to have the Steelers well, lose the yeah, Jaguars actually, lose and all the, that actually if the yeah if the Steelers lose so that 4:30 game the game right before Colts Texans if Steelers lose and Colts tie Colts are in well Lord, 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 help everything. I'm just trying to prep that is, you. That is a nightmare scenario right there. Absolutely. I, I'm just trying to prep you. The great Matt Taylor. We'll see if, uh, well, I think no matter what, hopefully we'll be chatting with him next Friday. But nonetheless, Matt, uh, we have really enjoyed these conversations all year long. And uh, hopefully we got another one coming up on Friday with you no matter what happens. Yeah, no, I appreciate you guys. Likewise, thanks as always for having me on. That's Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts right there. Our coverage again, 4.30, uh, I guess to go over it again. And by the way, we are going to sneak in the pop quiz here, so we'll go ahead and tease that on a freebie Friday, 317-239-1070 for that. We'll kind of abbreviate the morning check down and get into a pop quiz here in just a second. Uh, but if the Steelers lose in the 4.30 game and the Colts tie, the Colts are in. And you would then win the AFC South, actually, if Jacksonville ties coming up. Or, excuse me, if Jacksonville then loses on uh, on Sunday for you. I, I just don't think it's crazy that the backups of the Ravens, don't we have this every year? Every year. Oh, every year. There, there's it. a game yeah. where it's like, ah, this team doesn't care if they win and they're resting this guy and the quarterback's not playing. And that team ends up making it like super, super close. And so I expect Ravens Steelers. I guess I still expect the Ravens or the Steelers to win, but I do expect that to be a close game. Listen, Pittsburgh has lost home games. That is, is it, wait, that's in Baltimore though, isn't it? Is the game in Baltimore? Do you know um, off the top of your head? I think it's. I thought it's, it was. I could be wrong on that. Yeah, uh, no, it's in Baltimore. Um, I, I just, I, is is Huntley worse than Mason Rudolph? Well, I, I also like, think. I don't know. I, I think there's this misconception among fans of like, you really, in the NFL, you can't rest everybody. Like this isn't the senior day. This is the 11-man offense and 11-man defense right. to go out for the final snap. This is not a bowl game. You have a 53-man <laughs> roster. You have 46 of those 53 that dress. So theoretically, Andy, you can only rest seven. Now, you know, if you were the Colts, you know, who would those seven be? Uh, you know, whatever. Minshew, Taylor, Pittman, you know, Buckner, Kenny Moore, 
Braden Smith, Bernard Ryman. I, I, I don't. I mean, you're still playing Quentin Nelson. You're still playing Ryan Kelly. You're still playing Zaire Franklin or EJ Speed. I don't know. Maybe you'd swap out some other guys, but you would still have some dudes to play. So, again, all of this up in article form, 1075thefam.com for playoff scenarios.